The captain of the San Diego-based aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt penned a dire letter to Pacific Fleet commanders. In it, Captain Brett Crozier said there are two possible outcomes for the ship and its crew. Remove the crew from the ship and disinfect it, or maximize warfighting readiness to redeploy as quickly as possible. If the Navy chooses the second option, Crozier warns, there will be losses to the virus. Today is Tuesday, March 31st. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your Coronavirus Update, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Andrew Dyer, you cover the military for the Union-Tribune, and amidst the coronavirus pandemic, the military has been involved as well, and things have not been going too well with a aircraft carrier based in San Diego. What are the latest developments, Andrew? Well, uh, we knew since last week that uh, sailors on board the Theodore Roosevelt had tested positive for COVID-19. The ship pulled into Guam on on Thursday, um, which actually was a Friday uh, local time uh, on Guam. But uh, for the for the purpose of uh, you know getting some of those sailors off the ship, um, the Navy announced that they were going to be testing the entire crew of about five thousand. Uh, for COVID-19. That was last week. Uh, We found out today that uh, the captain of the ship sent a letter to the uh, Pacific Fleet Admiral asking for the Navy to move uh, essentially the entire crew off of the ship uh, because the things that they were doing were not working um, in stopping the spread of the virus. And uh, he thought that spread was ongoing and accelerating. And how, I guess, beyond the pale is that letter? Because that was really strongly worded in a organization that typically is, you know, by the book, I suppose. Right. It's it's an extraordinary letter uh, because for one, uh, well, first of all, the fact that the letter got out at all, um, normally something like that would not, uh, become public and the fact that it did uh it means that somebody wanted it to become public um and and another thing about it was uh so the military has this kind of this cult of readiness right so that the mission and being ready to fight is the number one priority for for your senior leaders right Mm -hmm. that that's what they want and that's everything that they talk about even when it comes to fighting the coronavirus um what you hear from from DOD leadership is like this virus isn't going to take us out of the fight. You know, the ship can still deploy. We can still go and, and make war on our enemies. Um, but this letter strikes a different tone. The captain says that, yes, uh, we can go and fight today if we have to. But that means that sailors are going to die of this virus. And because we're not at war right now, uh, no sailor needs to die and we need to take a step back, um, which uh, in the in the military, that type of uh, thinking is 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 counter to what you, you normally see. Um, the, the captain said that they would be doing a disservice to uh, to the sailors on the ship uh, to put them in danger uh, when the U.S. is not at war. Mm hmm. And uh, as this pandemic has been getting worse, we've been learning a little bit more about the true severity of this virus in which young people, the ages that many of the sailors are, 
aren't entirely immune. A 25-year-old from San Diego passed away over the weekend, so it's entirely plausible that sailors could die from this virus. Right, and I, I don't, um, I don't know a whole lot about infectious diseases, but um, what we're learning as time goes on is a lot of the things that uh, we thought we knew early on uh, might not be true, and, and in fact, maybe this uh, idea that this virus only affects older people, um, you know, maybe that can even contributed to some of. Uh, the the cavalier attitudes of, of young people when it comes to their their risk. Mm-hmm. So at this point, uh, what plans has the Navy made to do something about this problem? Well, after the uh, the news from the letter became public, um, the acting secretary of the Navy, Thomas Maudley, he went on CNN. Uh, he's up in L.A. at the hospital ship Mercy, and uh, he got he jumped on CNN and said that the Navy is working to move most of the crew off the ship. So the island of Guam, it does pose some challenges for the Navy. Um, Guam is not a large place. It doesn't have a high population. Um, There is a kind of a tourist resort area around Tumon Bay where there are a lot of hotels and, and hotel rooms. But the base on Guam, there's not, you know, barracks and housing for an entire aircraft carrier. Um, so the Navy is working with the, the government on Guam. Uh, this is according to, to Secretary Maudley um, to maybe get some of those hotel rooms opened up for sailors. Uh, one thing that the, the captain of the, uh, the Roosevelt suggested in his letter is that uh, 90% of the, the crew move off the ship um, leaving only about 10% behind to man the reactors. Uh, there are, uh, you know, two nuclear reactors on a, a Nimitz-class aircraft carrier that have to be manned 24 hours a day. Um, so the idea being that the Navy would leave essential reactor staff, security personnel behind, as well as uh, a small crew to disinfect and, and clean the spaces on board the ship where this this virus is uh, is actively spreading right now. Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned it previously, but these ships are kind of a perfect breeding ground for this kind of disease because of the close quarters, right? Yeah. So let me let me tell you, every single uh, sailor that's ever gone on a deployment on a ship, um, it happens every cruise. Uh, the sailors call it the crud which is like a, you know, a cold or whatever, will we'll go around. Um, or um, in a worst case scenario, uh, a, a stomach bug, uh, gastroenteritis, uh, sailors call it gastro. Um, it'll go around and uh, these bugs will just ravage the crew uh, for a certain period of time. And it's basically due to, you know, poor hand washing and sanitation. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, places on the ship, when you move from one place on the ship to another, you know, you're not going through uh, open passageways. There are hatches, uh, there are doors, there are scuttles. You have to either turn a wheel, grab a, a hatch, or a, ha- a door handle. So you have thousands of sailors touching the same door handles and hatches uh, when they traverse more common areas on the ship. Uh, not to mention the shared 
birthing uh, living areas for the vast majority of the crew, uh, shared restrooms, shared showering facilities. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, as, as bad as a luxury cruise liner is for the spread of bugs, um, at least the Grand Princess has individual rooms for the people there. Uh, uh, not so on the Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, the vast majority of the crew is in shared birthing compartments. Uh, they're really racked and stacked on top of each other. So now that plans are in place to make sure that these sailors get the medical attention they need and that the virus is contained, how unprecedented is the fact that an aircraft carrier essentially is at a commission for at least two weeks? So, yeah, it's, it's you know, part of this is just the, it lets you understand the scope. You know, an aircraft carrier is a, a huge asset uh, for the president, right? The, you know, the commander-in-chief and the uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the very top of the military, they are day-to-day involved in uh, planning and plotting the locations of these ships. It's a huge part of our national defense strategy um, to have uh, a carrier with its uh, uh, affiliated strike group um, in the Western Pacific, in the South China Sea, um, in the vicinity of Japan and Korea, um, operational and, and, and ready to, to you know, do its job should uh, it be called upon to do it. Um, we do have another carrier in the Gulf right now. The, the Harry S. Truman is in the 5th Fleet uh, Persian Gulf area. Um, but as far as the Pacific goes, you know, the, the Roosevelt is the ship in the Western Pacific right now. Uh, the Ronald Reagan is uh, based in Yokosuka, Japan. Um, it's also uh, dealing with a coronavirus outbreak on board. Um, I believe it's in port right now, but um, that's the uh, the permanently uh, forward deployed 7th Fleet carrier. So um, taking the Roosevelt out of commission really just alters the the game board completely um the the work that it does uh, out there is is important to uh to what the the pentagon wants to do and uh you know there's a reason that we always have a carrier out there and uh to have them out of commission uh for the foreseeable future is certainly a a blow and and probably part of the reason why the the pentagon has tried to keep the information uh under wraps, you know, they stopped announcing uh, most of their most of the specifics about their positive COVID nineteen cases because, you know, they don't want our adversaries to know, you know, how many uh, people in a given unit might be sick. Yeah, and it seems like, uh, in a sense, the Roosevelt is kind of there to serve as you know the extension of the U.S. military amid you know China's growth in the South China Sea, which has been an ongoing point of tension for, I don't know, almost a decade, it seems like. Right. And, and, and so the, the carriers, it's not the only, uh, it's not the only player in the game, right? There are, uh, destroyers and, and cruisers, um, other vessels, uh, on deployment at sea right now. You know, the carrier is an important piece, um, but it's hardly the only, uh, game piece on the board, so to speak. There are, Destroyers and cruisers and a lot of other vessels also um, out to sea right now who can conduct the sort of uh, the freedom of navigation 
operations the Navy likes to do in the uh, South China Sea and uh, and other other sorts of things. But yeah, the carrier is a huge part. Um, you know, it's a floating uh, it's a floating airport, and it's capable of of uh, reaching out and 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 doing things that uh, nothing else uh, in our arsenal can do. So um, having a capital asset like that sidelined is, is a huge blow to our, uh, our defense policy. Mm -hmm. And as with nearly any organization that's, uh, you know, reporting how many cases and deaths there have been, there's things that we know and things that we don't know about the coronavirus. Can you kind of give us a sense of what are the things that the Navy is telling us and what are the things that the Navy is not telling us? Well, um, whenever things first started, we were being told basically everything, um, which ships had a positive case and which bases had positive cases. But as the virus continues to spread, um, that information started to uh, be restricted. It started when they decided not to name the ships anymore. Um, and they were only going to name the geographic regions. So, uh, for example, they, they announced that a sailor on the Coronado, uh, was tested positive. And then, um, the next time they announced, they would just say a ship based in San Diego. Um, so, so we didn't know if it was the same ship or, or a different ship. Um, but now, um, and this is coming from the, the Pentagon. Uh, now the military is not naming any of these, uh, regions where they are, having cases they are just saying the total number throughout the entire force so the, instead of the navy saying oh sailors in san diego uh, some in washington some in hawaii now they're just saying throughout the entire navy we have x number of, of new cases today um, something that's incredibly frustrating for uh, if you're trying to report on the navy in san diego when uh, the the service will not say uh, who or where their cases are coming from. Now, according to DOD, they are reporting these cases uh, to local health officials. So um, San Diego County is being told uh, whenever there are new cases on our local military bases. However, uh, so far the county will not uh, tell me or the, the public about those cases. So in, in essence, the county is uh, helping the Pentagon keep this information away from the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those difficult decisions in which, of course, we as journalists want to know as much as we possibly can. This is a pandemic. The public deserves to know as much as they can about this. But I guess this is one of those areas in which you could argue that America would be put at further risk if we told people exactly how many people were ill or possibly dying in certain aircraft carriers and bases across the world. But, you know, we're in strange times, so I guess that comes for strange measures. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's And that's kind of the thing that the military will say is that we can't signal that uh, we have these issues. But, you know, most of these sailors in San Diego are not about to go to the front lines of any battlefield or any war, um, you know, the ships that are, that are leaving San Diego, not all of them are going to deploy. Many of them are doing routine training, um, things like that. And a lot of these service members are, uh, not deployable. They are based at shore commands or at uh, medical facilities, and they're going to work every day and then coming home out into this community. And if, um, if my neighbor was working at a place that had a huge outbreak, 
of this virus, um, I would think that, uh, that I had the right to know about it. Um, and certainly if I was a Navy family member or a member of that community, um, and my loved one was going to work in a place where they had had uh, a dozen cases or, um, I mean, whatever number, I can't give you one because they mm-hmm. won't tell us. Um, I, I would think that people had a, a right to know. Um, and, and even beyond that, um, I don't know that the county is beholden to the federal government or the Pentagon to uh, keep its bad news out of the press. Yeah, it raises a lot of questions that this whole entire experience has is, you know, how do the other parts of government, be it local, state, and federal, work together in this kind of crisis? And when is it okay for a smaller level of government to make a decision that affects a larger one? Those are questions that we're still answering. Right, right. Yeah, I, uh, I am, I'm continuing to uh, look for information from the the Pentagon from the Navy and uh, now from, from the County. And, um, as, uh, as we learn things, we will, we will report it, but we're going to keep trying. All right. Andrew Dyer. Thank you so much and stay safe. Thank you, Daniel. You too. Now your coronavirus update. County officials have announced two more COVID-19 deaths and an additional 131 confirmed cases. The region has a total of 734 confirmed cases and nine people have died. The county is about three weeks out from its first positive COVID-19 case. About 43% of patients were female, and about 56% of patients were male. Nearly one in five needed to be hospitalized, and about 8% of patients required intensive care. Additionally, three unsheltered individuals have tested positive. They are currently being sheltered by the county. The county will also start providing daily updates on ventilators. There are now 481 accessible to patients, with an additional 600 that have been requested from the state. The county has also purchased another 125. A 70-year-old Mexicali man is Baja California's first COVID-19 death. Health officials said the man had pre-existing conditions and was hospitalized for four days. State health officials have confirmed 33 coronavirus states in Baja California. In Mexicali, there are 22 cases and in Tijuana, there are 11. Testing has been limited, with less than 300 people tested in the state, with a population of 3.3 million. A passenger on the Celebrity Eclipse cruise ship has tested positive for the virus. After the ship docked in San Diego yesterday, the individual was taken to a hospital. The remaining passengers will complete disembarkation today. Tomorrow, cruise ships can no longer disembark in the port. San Diego State University announced that a third student has tested positive for COVID-19. No details were provided Monday night about how the third student might have contracted the disease. It was also unclear when the student moved off campus, though all but 200 students have left the dorms as of March 23rd and when the student started to show symptoms. Two employees of a Strout's Farmer's Market in northern Carlsbad have tested positive as well. Both employees work at the grocery store off of El Camino Real south of State Route 78 in the Carlsbad Plaza South Shopping Center. One employee last worked on the store on March 17th, and the other on March 15th, according to the company. Are you paying rent tomorrow? Many San Diegans aren't, and are joining a national rent strike. San Diego's local effort is being organized by the San Diego Tenants Union, which is based in City Heights. The organization is providing all renters with a letter that says if renters can't pay tomorrow, they likely can't pay until the economy restarts. 
While the federal government's stimulus checks of $1,200 are expected to help many Americans pay rent, it might not go that far in San Diego. The average monthly rent in San Diego County was about $1,859 at the end of last year, according to the real estate tracking company, CoStar. Social workers are warning about a potential increase in domestic violence during the pandemic. In response, the district attorney's office has created a new resource website with links to free services and a quiz that determines a person's risk. Hotlines will remain open during this time. The Jewish Family Service of San Diego has expanded its programs during the pandemic. The organization has increased capacity in its food mobile program and delivers to seniors and disabled persons daily. They're also offering frozen meals to limit social contact. The last golf course staying open has been ordered to close. Oceanside's Arrowwood Golf Course was shut down by the county. And finally, members of the Rock Church in Point Loma have begun restoring some 300,000 face masks. The effort could save the county a million dollars, and hopefully, lives. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. We want to remind you that information is your first line of defense. The San Diego Union-Tribune is dedicated to bringing you the latest news in print, online, and on our podcasts. Right now, you can read our public health stories related to the virus online for free without hitting the paywall. But you can get all of your news at your fingertips, wherever and whenever you want if you're a subscriber. Don't miss a story. Go to uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.